Hey, welcome NFL football fans. That time again, time for another edition of NFL Football Talk. I'm your host, Charles E. Smith Jr. This is an Inside Sports production presented by Humanica Media. And just a quick announcement to everybody, we're now available on Podbean. Podbean, you can download that app on your smartphone. Uh, just look up The Inside Sports. We're on there. Everything is there so you can listen uh, on your breaks or at work or when your boss isn't watching or in your car or wherever. So as we spread out across the globe. And I do thank you in advance for listening. So let's go ahead and get down to it here. Uh, we've only got four weeks left in the season. So everything coming out of the home stretch, uh, the AFC West, we got a bunch of teams bunched up at six and six. We'll see who wants to win that division. Commissioner gets a new deal. Giants coach gets fired. All that stuff is coming up. But, you know, I can't break it down alone. I do enlist the help of just the very, very best out there. So here he is, the man many of you already follow on Twitter. And if not, you should be. Follow him at Chris L Sports. That's at C-H-R-I-S, the letter L, sports. My favorite East Coast intellectual, proud graduate of Rutgers University from an undisclosed location in beautiful Southern California and somewhere where there's not a wildfire burning at the moment, Chris Lardieri. Chris, what's happening out there, man? Charles, thank you. As always, knock on wood, no fires, but plenty of wind. Uh, you know, a lot of people have been watching the national news and reaching out to me here on the West Coast. And uh, got to tell you, when you when you look at it on the, the CNNs of the world, it uh, looks like all of Southern California is on fire, and it's not far from the truth. But uh, we're safe here, thankfully. want to start the show with a uh, shout-out. Happy birthday to my son, Dom. Uh, the biggest football fan in this house is probably not me. It's him. I uh, can't believe it's been a decade since he was born. And just to show you uh, how things change, uh, over a, de- a decade ago about this time, uh, the Giants were really ha- hitting a rough patch. Eli had played a horrible game against the Vikings, I recall. The New York media was all over the team. And then they went on that tremendous run to knock off the undefeated Patriots. And now we fast forward now. Dom's 10. And Eli lost his job, and a week later, the coach and GM are fired, and he's back at starting quarterback. So uh, lots change in 10 years. Uh, we'll fill in the blanks, I guess, at some point. But uh, just goes to show you what, what can happen in the world in a mere decade, right? Yeah, there you go. And, you know, we'll, we can kind of start there. Craig, congratulations to the youngest Lardieri in your household there. But, uh, you know, let's go ahead and start there with the Giants. Uh, now, you had to know – when uh, deposed coach Ben McAdoo, when he benches Eli Manning to start Geno Smith, we already know Geno Smith is not the future of any franchise. So even if you want to see what you have on the team, you don't start Geno Smith. Because that's, you're obviously, that goes back to John Wooden, who the late, great John Wooden, who said, don't mistake activity for accomplishment. Correct. Great wisdom. So, you know, there are a lot of conspiracy theories out there, not just coming out of New York. One was that uh, the the coach went with this theory, and uh, I don't know if it was he and or Jerry Reese that came up with this uh, wonderful idea, went to ownership with it, and ownership thought it was such a bad idea. They figured, well, let's just go through with it. It'll be a uh, PR nightmare, and then we'll have our impetus to fire both these bozos, which regardless, I'm happy it worked. They got rid of them. They deserved it. Not that I want to see anyone lose their jobs, but they were – paid handsomely to go away. And then there's another one. Did Ben McAdoo just have enough? And he said, uh, I look at Rex Ryan there and the ESPN pregame show. And I look at how well Gino did for him. He got himself a nice announcing job. Maybe I'll, uh, I'll get an early Christmas <laughs> present and then bail off this sinking ship. 
I don't know which to believe, but uh, either Ben McAdoo's really smart or really dumb, I guess, at the end of the day, right? Yeah, that, that's true. And we got to remember, too, that Jerry Reese was not the one who really put the uh, the pieces in place for those Super Bowl teams. That was Ernie Accorsi. And people kind of forget that. And that's what happens. Uh, same thing with Blackhawks fans remember that when they got their first Stanley Cup here recently. It was Dale Talon who built that team, and then Stan Bowman became the GM. But uh, another sport, but you just have to remember those little, those lineages that happen in sports when you say, well, how could you fire that GM who was the GM when they won two Super Bowls? Right, but he did not put the pieces in place. That's right. He didn't plant the seeds. And, uh, of course, he ironically is now heading the GM search for John Mara and Steve Tisch. So uh, hopefully he's got a little bit more magic up his sleeve and uh, get someone competent in there in the front office. Yeah, we'll see. And, uh, you know, it could be turned around. We don't know. As, as soon as next season with a healthy Odell Beckham coming back, uh, they just got really just a couple of holes to plug. Because remember, a lot of people were picking them to contend for the Super Bowl and at least win that division. And when I say a lot of people, a couple of those people may have been on this show right here. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, you look at it, uh, ultimately, they never address the offensive line. And while right. there is a lot of talent on the defensive side of the ball, frankly, there are guys on that team that quit. And uh, even if uh, you don't think Eli's the answer, I mean, I guess he's a serviceable quarterback if they do end up pay, uh, picking a quarterback with a high first-round pick. Maybe if Eli doesn't want to come back, uh, you plug him in there for a year to tutor someone with the understanding he's going to be on his merry way. But uh, right. Yeah, I mean, look look at the Rams. Everyone thought they were awful and really a mess and a train wreck, and no one want that job. And they're they're in front in the NFC West. So things change quickly in the NFL. Yeah, definitely do. And then we can go uh, if we look over to the other conference. Let's go to the AFC. Well, first we got to talk about Roger Goodell. You know, the five year extension apparently worth uh, somewhere in the neighborhood of forty million dollars a year. I guess all the owners. Well, they said it was nearly unanimous so um yeah, jerry jones maybe but he got the extension anyways yeah they really swept that under the rug swiftly um <laughs> amazing to me i think uh a tony soprano wherever he is i'm not sure if he's alive or dead that remains to be seen uh he'd be proud of the job roger goodell's done because uh to get that contract and Jerry Jones really making a stink and we know Bob Kraft's a fan and I, I don't know, have they determined to get used to the private jet and the medical benefits for the rest of his life? I sure hope so because he's done such a fantastic job. I mean, you know, short of FDR during the Depression, Churchill during World War II, I mean, Roger Goodell's got to be third on your list with the greatest leadership roles ever, right? Get him that plane. <laughs> there we go. And hey, you know, uh, Coach passed away. He, he actually won Coach of the Year as the coach of the uh, New England Patriots and of the Indianapolis Colts, but Ron Meyer, he was 76 years old. And you see me wearing my Dolphins hat here. And he was actually the coach who was coaching the Patriots way back. I was in high school. I think it was in, in the mid seventies when he ordered the snowplow onto the field driven by as a convict who was out on work furlough, driving the snowplow. And he goes and clears the pathway in the snow in New England. And they kick the game winning field goal. I hated that play when it happened, but I'm glad that my team and, uh, you know, was part of such an iconic moment in sports. And, in fact, that snowplow is actually on display if you go there to uh, watch a game at Foxborough. So, Ron Meyer definitely, uh, you know, he marched to his own beat, a uh, very unique coach. And, hey, it's good the thing is he, that he is a part of history like that. 
Yeah, I remember that very well. That really, uh, really made me laugh, even as a youngster in New Jersey. But uh, look, you, you got to look at it this way: any coach that had Mike Pagel as their quarterback, you got to respect that because uh, I, I couldn't imagine having that. Could you? <laughs> I could not. But one thing else, something else, I can't imagine is the uh, Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, they've lost four straight now, tied now six and six. Then, along with the Raiders, and along with the. Uh, Los Angeles Chargers, I got it right this time, atop the uh, AFC West. So who takes that division? I wonder. We look at it, and the schedule seemed pretty uh, pretty even down the stretch. Um, but is this the Chargers making a great run? Is it the Raiders who they fired their defensive coordinator a few weeks ago, and for some reason they fired the defensive coordinator, but the offense has been playing a lot more better than it has been. So – I don't know what's happening there. You've got to think that uh, Kansas City is having problems. They both clashed this week, as luck would have it. But what do you see with that AFC West? It is such a toss-up. I really don't know. I mean, we usually expect Andy Reid to choke in, in January, not this soon. I mean, this is really, really a big story. When you think mm -hmm. about it, the Chiefs have beaten the Patriots. They're undefeated. They have completely imploded here. Um uh, I guess uh, taking the play calling away from Andy Reid helps some, but then the defense is a mess. Marcus Peters gets suspended for throwing a flag after the uh, the, the suspended by Reid, also not suspended yeah, yeah. by the league. Yeah, yeah. no, no discipline coming down from King Roger on that one. But uh, mm -hmm. I, I think ultimately, uh, I'm I'm not as optimistic about the Chiefs. I think that they really got holes on the defensive side of the ball. When you're calling Darrell Revis out of retirement, who doesn't have much <laughs> left in the tank, if anything, that doesn't bode well for you. Uh, I, I think probably you're going to look at that New Year's Eve game between the Chargers and the Raiders in L.A., which, by the way, don't kid yourself, that's a home game for the Raiders. It doesn't reflect it on the schedule. It may come down to decide who wins that division and moves on to the playoffs. Yeah, there we go. So, And sometimes, you know, the most intriguing things are in some of the what looks like the weakest division. So we don't know if there's – you know, winner of that division may win it at eight and eight, but it is going to be the division to watch really coming down the stretch here. Unlike the overall, where it looks like the overall uh, Pittsburgh Steelers and New England Patriots, it, they seem almost a lock for the to get the first round by there. And uh, those top two spots, just a matter of, and they meet in another week or so. So to see probably who gets home field advantage throughout. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's kind of the danger we saw with the Steelers on Monday night. Apparently, they're looking ahead at that point two weeks of that Patriots game because they threw a dud and were lucky to get out of Cincy with a win. So you're looking there at what could very well be a preview of the AFC Championship and, well, let's face it, a very weak conference. Yeah, that's true. Well, you know what? If you're going to go down 17 to nothing to any team, uh, you'd want it to be the Bengals, right? Yeah, either that or the Atlanta Falcons in a Super Bowl, right? <laughs> okay, so, you know, let's let's get into it. We do a couple of different segments here. We've got the picks of the week. We take the five more intriguing matchups of the week. We prognosticate on those, and then we have our Gambler's Delight special for you. Nobody wants to miss that, and then we have some expert fantasy football advice. But, uh, Mr. Lardieri, before we get into the picks of the week, uh, you have some wisdom you'd like to share with the crowd. Yeah, you know, we, we had talked about this Monday night during the game, a real chippy, shocker game between the Steelers and the Bengals and suspensions handed down. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, I believe, is the youngest player in the NFL. Uh, right. By the NFL. But uh, on a more serious note, Ryan Shazier, uh, at one point, they thought might be paralyzed. Apparently, he's returned to Pittsburgh. But um, bigger picture, you know, um, you get these hits like that, it's a violent game. But uh, 
you know, really reverberates again, not just with the concussions, but this is a game where people have can and you know, unfortunately likely will get paralyzed again. So uh, just want to send a shout out to him. I'm glad he's doing well. Mike Tomlin went and visited him in the hospital, but it did not look good on national TV. And again, the dialogue starting up about football. This is a this is a violent game where men, men really risk not only their livelihoods, but their lives at times. So uh, a little dose of reality Monday night to keep uh, John Gruden from stop babbling at one point. Yeah, he and McDonough are really getting uh, – in fact, if I didn't know any better, I'd swear they were drinking on the job. I don't know. <laughs> Anyways, um, well, it seems to really, when it rains, it pours because this comes right on the heels of Rob Gronkowski laying a shoulder into the into the helmet of a defenseless player. And Gronk doesn't do things like that. That was the worst part about it. Gronk has no history of that. Smith-Schuster is a rookie. He has no history of it. Yet they have those two plays just happen on back-to-back days. And one is the Patriots, which everybody watches. The other is on Monday Night Football, which the whole nation is watching one game. And these two things have to happen. Then you get them carted. You got you already had Shazier carted off the field. Then you have Burfick carted off the field. And everyone has to see it, and so we have to have these discussions again. Yeah, and I mean, Gronkowski needs to stick to the WWE with that stuff. I really don't know why he did it. And you know it was bad when Bill Belichick, who never admits guilt, uh, told Sean McDermott he was uh, he was wrong and apologized for it after the game. So you know that's bad when uh, when Bill with his hoodie actually admits something's wrong, right? Yeah, that's true. Well, it's a little, very little defense there, in fact. I'm surprised that Gronkowski even tried to appeal that. I wonder how long it took for them to deny that appeal. I don't know, eight seconds. Yeah, I mean, unless you're the, uh, you know, they they had the same issue they did with the emails and the proposed Browns Bengals trade. Yeah, it shouldn't take more than eight. That's a that's a good over under number. Yeah, there we go. Okay, so speaking of over unders, let's go ahead and get into it. Here's our picks of the week. Remember, we're not picking against the spread, even though we tell you the spread every now and then, the over-unders, things like that. But we pick outright winners here. Well, hopefully we do. Last week, I went 3-2 and two with mine. Mr. Lardieri went 2-3. Uh, and three, But overall, we're both well above 500 for the season. And that's all that matters. So, Mr. Lardieri, would you like to break down the first game for us, a big Thursday night tilt? Yeah, absolutely. It's about time we get another quality game here on Thursday night. And NFC South showdown playoff implications. Uh, you know, you've got two teams that are really high-powered offenses, although the Saints have done a little bit more of ball control this year and the Falcons mm-hmm. have struggled at points. I mean, when these two get together, it's usually an entertaining and exciting game. Uh, the Saints come in having a big win over the Panthers, look to really improve their chances to win that division. The, the Falcons, I can't figure them out. Frankly, I can't figure out my picks this year. I've been struggling lately. So I'm deferring to the birthday boy. Before the show, we sat down. He gave me his expert analysis. It's going to be short and to the point, kind of like his dad used to be able to be until uh, he turned more loquacious in his middle age years. But uh, my son says, as he put it, he's got to go with the Saints. He doesn't like the way the Falcons are playing, especially on offense. So New Orleans will be the pick. Yeah, well, you know what? Uh, the the uh, Falcons, rather, they did lose 14-9 to in that big game to Minnesota last week. And uh, New Orleans, I thought they were they were dipping a little bit, which they did against the, the Rams and a couple of weeks ago. And then the game that when they beat the Redskins, really, they shouldn't have. But uh, they came back, they beat Carolina last week. So it was a little hiccup there for the Saints, but I like the way they're playing. And Atlanta, when, they, when everything, the deck gets shuffled there in the NFC, I have a feeling that, uh, the Falcons are going to get shuffled out of there. 
I'm going with the Saints as well. Yeah, it's probably good I agree with you, Charles, given your track record year to date. <laughs> okay, then the next game, uh, Minnesota Vikings, Minnesota riding that eight-game win streak. They're going to be in uh, Carolina to take on the uh, Carolina Panthers. Minnesota at 10-2, and two, Carolina at 8-4. and four. Greg Olson will be returning this week. That'll be the, uh, the tight end who is Cam Newton's favorite target. But Minnesota's still rolling along. They're a two-and-a-half-point favorite here. You know, I thought if Minnesota was going to lose, it would probably be last week, which they didn't. Um, I just like the way they're playing. And I like Case Keenum is showing just more poise than I ever thought he had in him. And I, I like the way that they're playing. I love the way their defense plays. Their defense is mean, nasty, aggressive. They're fast. I think Minnesota is going to get after him, even though they're on the road. I'm going with the Vikings. That's a total homer pick here. My son likes the Panthers. He's picking the Panthers. <laughs> I really don't know why uh, to step in here and be an alleged prognosticator for a moment. Um, I do like that Olsen's back. And uh, the Panthers are a team that have been very Jekyll and Hyde for a lot of the season. You know, they, they barely beat the Jets, and then they go another week and they'll play a great game. Uh, I know McCaffrey was banged up, but uh, – for whatever reason, this team will disappoint you one week and surprise you the next. So uh, I guess we'll play that yo-yo and pick the Panthers. Okay, there we go. We shall see. Should be a good matchup, though. And uh, you can go ahead and break down the next one for us. This is old school. I can see, uh, you know, Ted Hendricks and Lynn Dawson out there on the field right now. Uh, break this one down. Yeah, an old AFL grudge match between <laughs> the Raiders and the Chiefs. Earlier this year on a Thursday night, they played a fantastic game that – came down to the wire, a last-minute drive with about 10 penalty flags and replays and acrobatic catches <laughs> an entertaining game. Um, you know, someone's got to win this game to get in some sort of a driver's seat in the AFC West. Uh, I My son likes the Chiefs here. A lot of it's because they're home. Uh, other reason being is you just don't know what you're getting with the Raiders on defense. Watch that Giants game last week, and although I look like on the scoreboard they dominated them, they really let Geno Smith hang around. I mean, the Giants had a first and goal from about the five after a block punt, and within within a, a few minutes, Geno had been sacked and fumbled the ball back to the Raiders. So uh, <laughs> we're, we're going to go with the Chiefs here uh, from a purely selfish standpoint. I hope Kareem Hunt wakes up and Andy Reid gets him the ball some more, whoever's calling the plays, because he's been a non-factor. I know Tyreek Hill's waking up again, but they've got to get some ball control, too, to mix in with that pass if they want to win. Yeah, we'll see. Now, this is a pair of six and six teams. You know, they're part of that three-way tie for the lead in the uh, AFC West with the uh, Los Angeles Chargers. But, well, I like Oakland here. They've not only won two straight, but they've won three of their last four. And we got to remember with the Chiefs, they blew a 14-point lead to the Jets last week. A 14-point lead to the New York Jets. Joe Namath wasn't out there. Don Maynard wasn't out there. Somehow they lose that lead to the Jets and ultimately lose the game. I thought they would still come back and win the game, but they didn't. And we talk about Marcus Peters, uh, the two-time Pro Bowl cornerback. He gets suspended for grabbing a flag and throwing it uh, throwing it into the crowd. The NFL doesn't suspend him. Andy Reid suspended him. So uh, they've lost four straight. And, and they didn't lose the four straight to world beaters, okay? They lost to the Cowboys. They lost to the Giants. They lost to Buffalo and then most recently to the Jets. So we're seeing a complete implosion here by the uh, Kansas City Chiefs. And I think this is about the end of the line for Big Red. It's the end of the line for Alex Smith. Big offseason changes coming. And it starts with this game here, Oakland Raiders in Kansas City. They take down the Chiefs. 
at some point, if, if they do end up losing, as you predict, could we see Mahomes behind center? Yeah. <laughs> okay, so next game, this should be fun. The draft class of 2016, we got Carson Wentz and the Philadelphia Eagles in Los Angeles, right here at the Coliseum. I wish I had tickets to this game to take on Jared Goff and the Los Angeles Rams. Wentz in that great running game he's got with Garrett Blunt and Jay Ajayi versus – uh, versus the running game of the Rams over there with Todd Gurley. Should be a fantastic matchup. Now, here's the thing I found disturbing was this Monday night loss to the Seattle Seahawks. When the Eagles had the ball early in the game, they were in Seattle territory, I think at the 40-yard line, and they had fourth and a yard to go, and Peterson decided to punt instead of going for it. I think that changed the momentum, and that showed that when it comes to the big moments, it's one thing to play with a lead. It's another thing to get in a dogfight. And I think he's decided to play not to lose instead of playing to win the game. Now, true, Wentz also missed an open receiver, which would have been a touchdown later on in that quarter. And also he fumbled when he was crossing the goal line. You can't blame that on Peterson. But I'm saying that play changed the complexion of the game. They should have gone for it, put an early dagger in the Seahawks. So with that said, I think it's a big game. And they've shown a little bit of they're a little bit shaky. I'm gonna go with the Los Angeles Rams to take down the Eagles in a thrilling matchup. Yeah, really a big game when you think of the NFC potential playoff seedings. Uh back to Doug Peterson. I mean, he learned well as mentors Andy Reid. What more do you need to know? But, <laughs> there uh, you go. <laughs> but my son and I, for that matter, are going to agree with you. I, I just like the way McVay has turned that offense around. Jared Goff looks like a completely different quarterback. And from a purely psychological standpoint, this is a guy last year who a lot of people are questioning why the Rams would trade up to take him. Why didn't they take Wentz? And I'm sure it's got to be in the back of his mind. And uh, one of the most underrated coaching jobs of the year has to be Wade Phillips on the defensive side of the right. ball for the Rams. You look at the job the Seahawks did last week, I think the Rams could easily duplicate that, if not give Wentz more fits. And I think that's why the Rams win. All right, perfect. Fantastic. And that game, I think it starts at 1 o'clock out here. If not, it's at 1.30. But anyways, hey, if I come across tickets, man, you and me at the stadium. Let's do it. Okay. And then why don't you go ahead and break down the last game, which should be some smash-mouth football. Yeah, the, the good old NFC ver uh, NFL version of the backyard brawl, the Ravens and the Steelers. These teams don't like each other when they play. It's a slugfest. A lot goes on tends to be low scoring and close and come down to a number of plays or even decided at the end of the game by a field goal. The uh, Ravens, look, in the thick of it, in the playoff hunt, they've had a ton of injuries, and they're mm -hmm. resilient. Flacco hasn't had the greatest of years. They've had, uh, I don't know how many running backs carrying the ball for them this year, but that defense definitely been underrated. Uh, even though this could be a potential look-ahead game for the Steelers, they've got the Pats next uh, Sunday, the following Sunday. I do think the loss of Jimmy Smith, is going to be big for the Ravens. Uh, that's why I'm gonna I'm gonna pick the Steelers even without uh, Juju Smith-Schuster. You've got Martavius Bryant, who if he ever gets his head on straight, is a dangerous weapon across from Antonio Brown. Uh, my son likes the Steelers, and I'm gonna agree with him. Yeah, definitely. And I do have to give props for Balt to Baltimore because they've won what they're seven and five now. They won three of their last. Uh, excuse me, won three straight four of their last five games, and they just put a beat down on Detroit last week, 44 to 20, but the Steelers won seven straight. And I, I think Tomlin is keeping the Steelers focused, even though 
they just tend to make things a lot more interesting than they should do. They should be like they did on this past Monday night against uh, the Bengals. You've got to get down 17 to nothing before they actually start playing the game. So that may happen, but uh, it's going to be another slugfest, low-scoring affair. But in Pittsburgh, I do like the Steelers to come through, stretch that win streak to eight games. All right. I'm glad we agree on a positive note. <laughs> okay, there we go. That's the pitch of the week. So now let's go ahead and get to one of my favorite segments. And this is our Gambler's Delight special. So we don't advocate gambling here, but if you happen to be in Vegas where gambling is legal, you got an extra 20 bucks in your pocket. The sports book is right there. You can see it. You want to walk over, put it down on a football bet. Uh, here's some good advice for you. And again, we're way above 500 for the season on our Gambler's Delight picks. Now, Mr. Lardieri, you're the New Jersey guy, and New Jersey is uh, notorious for, uh, I don't know, the boardwalk. And, oh, yeah, gambling. That's right. Yeah. So why don't you go ahead and give us your pick first? Hey, and in my defense, you know, there was a little bit, a little case in uh, D.C.'s in front of some sort of large or Supreme Court about gambling in the state of New Jersey. So yeah, I've got that on my side. But uh, I'm, I'm going to go with a game. You know, my my son liked the Chiefs. It may very well happen that they win, but the Oakland Raiders, soon to be Vegas Raiders, are getting four points going into Arrowhead. Uh, you know I like underdogs. You know I like getting points. Anytime you can get anything over three points, uh, and especially in a series like this where these teams play tough, they play close, comes down to a couple plays or two, uh, take the Raiders. I don't know if they'll win. They may very well win for all we know, but uh, at four points, at the very least, they lose by the field goal. You can go cash in your ticket in Vegas and Reno or wherever you are in the state of Nevada <laughs> Sunday. There you go. And, you know, I'm going to go to the last game that we picked. I'm really tempted to say Baltimore plus the juicy five points in this low-scoring series, but low-scoring is the key operative word here. So, hey, the over-under is 44 points. I've seen these, uh, you know, 21 to 20 is a high score for a, for a Steelers versus a Baltimore Ravens game. You can go ahead and look that up, look in the annals of uh, NFL history there. But under 44, Steelers versus Ravens, take that, and you can thank me next Tuesday, folks. I like it. Okay, perfect. There we go. The Picks of the Week, the Gambler's Delight special. And now we're moving on to another segment for those of you who uh, really like to partake in this part of the sport. We've got an expert of many, many years. Mr. Lardieri is going to break down, get out the pens and pencils, the paper, everything else. And, hey, you know it's a podcast. You can just pause it if you need to hear something, write it down, and start again. So fantasy football advice. Chris, you have the floor. Thank you. Thankfully, my team locked up the number one seed, so I've got to buy that week. But that doesn't mean you can't do your homework or pluck guys off the waiver wire this week. If you are in the playoffs or you play in a league where the playoffs haven't been determined, there's still some valuable picks out there for you to get. Uh, looking for a running back, there are a couple I like this week. Peyton Barber with the Buccaneers. I myself am a Doug Martin owner. I still got Peyton Barber. I think he's the only Bucks running back to run for over 100 yards this year, if I'm uh, not mistaken. And it looks like Doug Martin coming off concussion. Even if he is able to play, I think he's going to lose some reps to Barber. It could be valuable here in the next few weeks. Uh, Mike Davis with the Seahawks. You want to talk about a revolving door in backfield. Uh, look in Seattle. Davis uh, you know, didn't have – Outstanding numbers. I want to say it's somewhere in the neighborhood of 64, 65 yards rushing, but he got a lot of touches, and it looks like uh, Pete Carroll is going to have him being the starter and uh, another valuable running back to potentially have on your bench or use in a flex position. Finally, the Green Bay Packers. There's a running back named Aaron Jones. Uh, scored uh, in that key win over the Buccaneers 
uh, this past Sunday, and I, I think you want to hold on to him for a couple reasons. You never know if Williams, a starter, gets hurt. It's good to have mm-hmm. on your bench, especially if you need him in week 15 or 16. Guy's shown uh, some flashes of athleticism, and he can get in the end zone. And that goes to my next piece of advice. If you're in a league where people are asleep at the wheel, unfortunately I'm not. I'm a 14-teamer with a lot of shrewd managers, but uh, Aaron Rodgers may very well come off IR and play uh, as early as week 15, and that's fantasy football playoff time. If the Packers are still in the playoff hunt, they're going to activate him. If he's out there on waivers, grab him now. That could be the coup of the century, potentially. If he comes back, that bodes well for Jones. Uh, kind of on the flip side, a blast from the uh, past, our old friend Josh Gordon with the Browns. Really played well. Looked like a guy who was not on hiatus, suspended by the league for a number of years. Uh, looks fast, looks good. He, he's getting a lot of targets from Deshaun Kaiser. I don't care if he plays on the worst team of football. The guy can ball. Pick him up if possible. And then, uh, you know, there are a couple quarterbacks out there. You may think I'm crazy. I know last week I mentioned Jimmy Garoppolo. Looked pretty good. He didn't get into the end zone, but I think he's got some favorable matchups. Don't give up on him in the next couple weeks. If Eli Manning's out there, look, the guy's PO'd. He may not come back to the Giants. Who knows? But he's got something to prove and could score some garbage-time touchdowns against the Cowboys or even the Eagles next week. Might be worth having. And, uh, Blaine Gabbert with the Cardinals, too, another guy. He had a rough week, but, uh, you know, this is a team, mathematically, they're still in it. But uh, when Adrian Peterson's there, he puts up some decent numbers. You could do a lot worse at quarterback. So good luck if you're in the playoffs this week. Uh, If your team's on bye, unfortunately, you can't do like Tony Dungy did back in the day and rest your starters. Just watch the games and hope none of your star players get hurt. That's about all you can do, right? There you go. Okay, everybody. Remember, great fantasy football advice and uh, Chris, many, many years of experience. Follow him on Twitter at Chris L Sports. You can follow yours truly at The Inside Sports and make sure you watch every week right here. Uh, Also, for some of you uh, NBA fans, we do have some expert NBA advice, which comes from Gerald Glassford and Anthony Barbera, and they chip in every couple of weeks and give you the latest goings on in the NBA. So we get Everything covered here for you on the Inside Sports platform. And like I said, check it out on Podbean. You can go ahead and download that. Uh, it's available in the App Store or on Google Play. And uh, just go to the Inside Sports. The latest episode will pop right up there for you for your listening pleasure. So, Chris, before we sign off, it's uh, holiday season here. Uh, what do you have for some few words of wisdom? Yeah, you know, you mentioned the holidays. All I say is stay out of the malls and do your shopping online, but that's not football-related. But uh, getting back to the the game we love, uh, you look at the AFC playoff race. I I had to do a double take. We've got the Jacksonville Jaguars, Tennessee Titans, and Baltimore Ravens right now would be in the playoffs if the season ended today. They're in the driver's seat for for some of the slots. Um, Really astounding because it looks like they've got winning records, which they do, but – they don't look like a, a top to bottom. They don't look like winning teams, or at least teams in the NFC that are in playoff contention. It's really a tale of two conferences. And I think right. bigger picture, like we hit on earlier, the great stories that Jacksonville bounced back. You know, Tennessee's kind of uh, improving from their 8-8 eight and eight finish last year. The Ravens battling back from injuries. But uh, all this is doing is delaying the inevitable of an AFC championship game between the Patriots, unless there's some sort of uh, really big injury or suspension. I mean – all these teams in the AFC, they'll be thankful to be playing in January. But uh, as far as I'm concerned, it's a fait accompli. The NFC is the conference where I think it's wide open and there's going to be some really intriguing playoff matchups. Yeah, it's true. And that NFC, I think it's going to come down to the Rams really need to, uh, if they're going to do anything, we talk about the Rams. They're out here. They're our, our team out here on the West Coast. But 
What really I think is going to determine things in the NFC is getting one of those top two seeds so that you don't have to run the gauntlet through that wild card game and then wind up playing three games to get to the big dance. Because even if it's a wild card game, those teams are strong down there. The teams that might be just sneaking in, if Atlanta sneaks in, if uh, if Carolina sneaked in, you know, all those uh, Seattle, you've got the Rams, you've got uh, in the you know, the NFC East, you got the Eagles, you got all these teams that are going to be coming in there. So, and you know, the, who knows what the Packers might do. You got the Vikings who are playing good ball. So the last thing you want to do in the NFC is have to play one extra football game. And especially, you know, the, I don't, I don't know the Seattle can make it all the way, but trust me, they are capable of breaking someone's heart. And if you get Seattle in the wild card game, you know what? Good luck to you. Yeah, we saw that a few years ago. Minnesota had a home game outdoors, and, well, thanks to Blair Walsh. They lost to a wild-card Seattle team at home. Right, and that was a Seattle team that clearly wasn't, and no disrespect, but they clearly weren't going anywhere, so to speak. But, yeah, they can go ahead and knock you out of the playoffs. So it should be fun stuff, and this is why they play. This is why we watch, and this is why I love sports. Four weeks to go. It's all bunched up, and it's all going to culminate in a fantastic playoff season. So remember, everybody – uh, follow online. Follow me on Twitter at the Inside Sports. Follow Chris on Twitter at Chris L Sports. For Mr. Chris Larieri, I'm Charles E. Smith Jr. Thank you for listening. NFL Football Talk, Inside Sports Production. We'll see everybody next week and enjoy the games. Brink here from Super BS, talking about the things you know you love and the things you'd love to know. Join us weekly for a podcast about video games, mostly. Oh yeah.